You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. It looks like we're live. and let this stream kind of catch its breath really fast, let it breathe, make sure we're streaming good on everybody's platforms facebook youtube twitch periscope everything looks good mile high hello everybody in broncos country and welcome into another episode of the dove valley deep divers live podcast i am your host lance sanderson and joining me as always is my good friend and colleague he's your denver broncos insider and mile high huddle senior nfl draft analyst the one and only eric trickle eric what's going on man there's a lot of big news regarding the broncos today man what what do you think about some of that stuff Eh. It's just promotions. I mean, happy for I'm happy for these guys. I mean, obviously, anytime people get promotions, it's always a good thing for them. Uh, it kind of it's the one with Matt Russell is a little bit more interesting. Everybody knows that John Elway's contract here is up in a little bit. There was all those reports going around that John Elway was looking at grooming Gary Kubiak to take over for him when his contract was up. Then everything fell through with uh, fell through with that with you know him wanting to bring back Rick Dennison to be the offensive line and yeah, all that anyways. So it's going to be interesting to see if Denver's promotion of Matt Russell, is this a move to sit there and kind of keep him on the Broncos front office staff while he's being groomed to take over for it and try to keep other teams just kind of like away a little bit or mm-hmm. to keep him less interested in moving on. I'm kind of curious about that, but as for how I'm doing, I'm doing great. Very excited to be here today. Uh, very bummed that we're just down to one show now. But uh, it's just awesome that we're going to be here just talking about football for with you guys, even if it is just for one night and one night only. Just makes it all that more special. Yeah, one night only kind of sucks. We're, we're going to maybe talk and work our way into another thing. We'll, we'll get some more details in that later. But just going back to the whole Matt Russell thing, I think this is a, a, this is a telegraphed move, in, in my opinion. They, they bring in Matt Russell and make him the vice president of uh, player and personnel, I believe is what his official title is now. Yeah. And then he'd been a, a department director with John Elway for the last, what, 11 years, I believe is what it is now, and has been pretty much groomed to be John Elway's right-hand man. And they have been and, uh, amazing over the last three years, especially in their drafting and whatnot, the free agent moves that they have had over the past three years really not kind of panning out, especially with the Juwan James, Bryce Callahan, the injury concerns and whatnot like that. So it's going to be kind of a take it with a grain of salt a little bit on what they've actually done. But still, the the impact that Matt Russell has coming in and being the vice president of player and personnel, that's a direct sign that he is the guy. When John Elway's contract runs out in 2022, they are probably not going to extend him a, a contract offer. They're going to bring in Matt Russell, and he's going to be the new GM of the Denver Broncos, or at least that's my opinion. Now, guys – Go ahead, Eric. Excuse me. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked at all if that's the case. It'll be very interesting to see how things fall out over this year. I know that this past offseason, though, there are a few teams that I can't remember if they put in interview requests or not for Matt Russell, but I know that there are a few teams that were looking at expressing interest in him and stuff like that. So I, it definitely could be that case of just trying to keep him around. Well, I wonder if there if they if there's anybody that's actually like requested interviews and the Broncos have blocked those interviews and now with a new rule regarding the CBA and blocking uh, coaches like the 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 position coaches going into offensive coordinator uh, positions and with the new front office uh, front office executives, I wonder if the Broncos actually blocked an interview. I, I I'm not sure off the top of my head, but that could very well be the case there. Now, before we get going, guys, gotta say say hello to everybody chilling in the chat stream. Uh, Doug Gray 
coming in here. Darvel Leonard as well. What's going on, guys? Beast in here as always. Uh, Michael Ginger Ninja, Biggie Broncos in the house tonight. Guys, welcome in. We appreciate you guys joining us tonight. And also, welcome, Alexandra. And uh, Terry is an awesome dude. He's a big supporter of the podcast. Glad he's teaching you everything he can. And uh, I'm assuming he kind of pushed, uh, pushed you our way a little bit. And we're happy to have you here and hope you enjoy this. And always glad to see new people in the chat. Yeah, no, absolutely. Alexandra, welcome into Dove Alley Deep Divers. This is where you get the deep takes, kind of the, not really the ones that are mainstream. We go a little bit deeper than most other people, we'll give you some off the wall stuff, some hot takes every now and again, just to kind of open your eyes to a little bit more about, yeah, that's me. Uh, but uh, to open your guys just a little bit more about what uh, what is going on behind the scenes in, in Dove Valley as well. So, but anyways, guys, tonight, but actually, you know what? Let me let me go do this. The, the quick matters of business here. Make sure you guys are following on Twitter if you are capable of doing so. Follow at DVDD underscore pod. That's the show. That is where you get the updates on what we're going to be talking about for, for this week's episode. Sometimes we throw some takes on there. And most most often we're putting them on our handles. And you can find us. You can find me at Sanderson MHH. You can find Eric at Eric Trickle. Notice the CK in Eric and the EL in Trickle. Also, guys, if you're in a financial position to be able to do so, head on over to huddleuppod.com. Get your merch. Get your merch. Get yourself a hat. Get yourself a T-shirt. And make sure you guys are supporting the show outside of just, you know, commenting on the live stream and stuff like that. If you're able to do so, it, it, it's, it's, it means a lot to us. But if you can't, make sure you're doing these three things. Make sure you are subscribing wherever you're watching, whether it's on Twitch, whether it's on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, on Facebook. Make sure you guys like every single video that you guys see. It's the easiest way to get us out in front of as many uh, viewers as possible. It helps with the algorithms, algorithms, excuse me, and stuff like that. And if nothing else, share if you guys love what we're doing, share it out. Get it in front of as many Broncos fans as you possibly can. Now, Eric, I, I see you're shaking your head because I'm rocking the building the Broncos swag tonight. I guess this is everybody. No, 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 no. We can support <laughs> Huddle Up. We can't support Nick, man. We can't. I, Come on I now. I have to. Nah, it's, man, our nah. brand. it's our brand. The more, the more, the the more that the people get to see what we're doing, the more people see that I'm wearing a building the Bronco shirt. What is that? What does that mean? Hey, this is our podcast. This is the Huddle Up Network. It's not ours. It's not mine. But it's a it's a branch of the Huddle Up Network. And if you can do anything to support them, please but do. It's Nick. It's Nick. Come on. I, it's Nick. I know you're working on a book series right now. I'm not sure if it's going to be one hundred one ways not to be Nick. <laughs> 101 ways to not be Nick. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. 
Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, now, guys, very interesting topic of, of conversation tonight. Uh, the, earlier this week on milehighhuddle.com, make sure you guys head on over and check it out. I published an article about five critical Broncos that have to take a next step or have to have a big season that can help Drew Locke develop into a franchise quarterback in 2020. I, I highlighted Graham Glasgow, Noah Fant, um, let's see, who else? Uh, Juwan James, Melvin Gordon, and Pat Shermer. So those are the five guys, as far as the offensive guys, that can help out uh, Drew Locke the most outside of the he who ha, who had he who shall not be named. I'm giving him the Voldemort treatment. We don't talk about that guy on the, the left-hand side anymore. <laughs> don't ask me about it. I'm not going to say anything, so stop asking, okay? But anyways, uh, so today we're going to talk about some some defensive players that need to take a next step and to really help out this Vic Fangio scheme. And now, Eric, I'm going to get you to your number five guy. Let's go in ascending order here. Who is the guy on the bottom of your list that is still a top five player that needs to take that next step forward? Who are we talking about here? So real quick, uh, Ginger Ninja, I saw your question about Bosby and another young corner that's going to step up. That will definitely be addressed in this segment. Just so you know, and thanks, James, for making sure that Ninja's question is answered and asked and everything like that. And for your donation, we definitely appreciate that. But it's definitely something that's going to be answered during this little segment, just so you know. So for my number five guy, I'm going with the new off new offensive tackle. Oh, my God. Oh. I'm going with the new cornerback. <clears throat> man, you, you got me all my feathers all ruffled, man. Like, I guess your heart beating already, man. More, like, uh, <laughs> but anyways, I'm going with the new cornerback, AJ Boye. Like he had a great year in 2017, and even with the Texans before that. But since then, he's kind of been on a decline a little bit. Injuries have been popping up, and he's been getting hampered by them. Denver needs him to step back up. Their secondary last year, I know that they were like a what top five, top ten passing unit or passing defense like awesome but a lot of that had to do with the scheme like let's let's there's no ifs ands or buts about that a lot of that had to do with Vic Fangio's scheme AJ Boye last year was still better than any corner the Broncos fielded for a decent amount of time that's not counting Devontae Bosby because he played like like what one and a half games something like that he didn't play that much so definitely not a guy that um uh to uh definitely a guy that has to step up now that I got my thought is they need him to be more consistency. They need him consistency, consistent. Man, I can't talk today. They need him to be more consistent and step up his game just because they need better in that secondary because to help out. I mean, a lot of teams rely on their pass rush and Denver's going to be one of those teams, but they still need to help the help from the corners to help that pass rush out a little bit more to help cover the issues of the secondary. It's a lot of give and take there with that. They just need AJ Boye to step up and kind of not get back to that 2017 form. Just have him get back to a playing at a higher level than he has the last couple of years. 
No, I, I totally agree with that. AJ Boulier does need to have a step forward right now, especially with the, the injury concerns here lately, him falling off a cliff after that 2017 season. Last year, I'm going to kind of give him a pass because he was really the only true defensive star on that Jacksonville Jaguars defense. I mean, they had Calais Campbell, sure, but in the secondary, there was really no one there. After they traded Jalen Ramsey, like they, who else did they have in that secondary? AJ Boulier was pretty much left on an island and he couldn't, he couldn't step to task. No. Biggest thing. He, he wasn't left on an island. He got a lot of safety help, and he still couldn't perform. He was the worst corner on the Jaguars by far. Um, DJ Hayden out there was actually had a really good year when he's for the uh, for the Panther or for the Jaguars, and then the other corner that they had too, um, who largely played in the nickel. He had a really good season. So it wasn't that he was. I mean, I, with star power, it's more like name tower. With this, is AJ Boy definitely had the name, but. Yeah, those other those other corners, the safeties were kind of lackluster, but the other corners, they did play well there. No, I, I agree with that, but still, just the the with the lack of overall talent on that defense last year, they were banged up. There was there was really no, I, I understand what you're saying, man. But <laughs> let me let me speak my voice here, dang. This is my take. Let me have it. Uh, but th- no, th- there was there was some lack of firepower on the defensive side of the football. Calais Campbell was pretty good, um, but they, the Marcel Darius was not very good. Uh, their their front their front seven was bad. Their their back seven, okay, I can understand. DJ Hayden have a, had a pretty good year, but still, when there's no pass rush to speak of, and you're playing on the island, even getting some safety help, yeah, he does need to take a, a big step forward and hopefully playing in Vic Fangio's scheme where it's more relied on the safeties. He's going to take that next step forward. And speaking of the safety position, my number five guy is going to be the winner of the the nickel defensive back that third safety kind of hybrid role and I believe it's going to be come down to Isaac Yadam and Duke Dawson they have to step up this year fill in that Will Parks role and step up big time Duke Dawson struggled a lot last year Isaac Yadam obviously has struggled over the the course of his what first three seasons here in Denver and now they're making a transition to him to safety like he's really got to step up if he wants to even be a part of this roster let alone be a, a, a key cog in making this defense actually click yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's a big role in Vic Fangio's defense. So, yeah, it's going to definitely need one of those guys to step up. They need an answer for that. I don't think it's Trey Marshall. I don't like his game being able to drop down in a slot. I only thing I think he can do somewhat decently, and even then it's not that great, is being in deep safety. That's that's his strongest suit. Yep. He's not a guy you want to drop down in the slot. So you definitely need Duke Dawson, maybe even a song Bossy or um, the, uh, the other undrafted defensive back that they brought in. Douglas uh, Campbell. Campbell. Douglas Coleman, um, one of those guys could definitely step into it. But for my next guy is sticking on, sticking with a new addition is Jarrell Casey. Denver last year they really struggled to get consistent pressure on the inside. Shelby Harris really wasn't that good last year getting consistent pressure. By the way, um, Derek Wolf is actually the most consistent and the best interior pass rusher they had last year before he got hurt, and then it was just kind of lackluster. Draymond Jones showed his potential, but he still has growing to do. They need somebody now, and Jarrell Casey is a guy who he has shown that he can do such a tremendous job at getting interior pressure. They need him to step up because, of course, Vivian's defense really relies on that. The issues that the Broncos have in the secondary, that pressure is going to help cover up a little bit. Getting a guy who can sit there and not and keep quarterbacks from stepping up is going to help out Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. And that was a big issue last year. Those first four games when Von Miller and Bradley Chubb went without any sacks – it's because there was next to no interior pressure. They were just able to go step up and step off to the side out of the pocket and avoid them. Like there was no pressure there and that hurt them more than anything else. Drill Casey's there now. So now he's going to be hopefully that answer they need. 
Well, hopefully that Draymond Jones actually steps up, and I'm going to go on the opposite side of the football here. Uh, well, uh, opposite side of the nose tackle, and I'm going to put Draymond Jones on the on the hook right here. He did flash a lot, especially towards the later end of the season, and, and highlighted some pass rushing ability as well. It actually held up pretty well in the running game too, if I remember correctly. He's my number four guy. I actually had him as number three, but just to kind of keep this conversation going on the defensive line before we get to some of these super chats before they snap out of here, Bawana, if you're if you're in, you can grab a couple of those really fast and. And, and get him on the screen. But Draymond Jones, the, the second-year player at o- Ohio State, I think that he's going to have a huge role. And I think that if he does continue to, to develop, going back to Shelby Harris, Draymond Jones is going to be the guy that steps in and has that starter, the lion's share of the reps, playing at that other five-tech defensive end position. And not to mention, just on, as, as another side note, I didn't really want to bring in some rookies into this conversation, but McTelvin and Ajim being able to provide that interior pass rush as well, those two players opposite of Jarrell Casey, that's a huge, huge thing for me. I, I really think that Draymond Jones is going to have a big year this year. I think he's going to develop correctly, and it, he's going to be a big key in this defense. So before we get to taking the Super Chats and getting back to this, I just have one question. Is Demarcus Walker done in Denver, in your opinion? Yes. Yes, I agree. Demar- Demarcus Walker, the, the drafting of McTelvin Ajim, the signing of Jarrell Casey, bringing back Shelby Harris. You still have, Again, you still have Draymond Jones in tow working on his rookie contract and development. We'll see how that actually shakes out. Demarcus Walker, I believe we did our – it was our 53-man roster projection a couple weeks ago. I had Demarcus Walker as one of my first four guys off of the roster. I think he was number two, in fact. I don't remember, uh, I don't remember Walker being on it. Yeah, Demarcus Walker was one of the guys that it was my first four off of the roster. He didn't actually make the roster for me. No, I'm so. saying it's like in the in the first four off. I don't remember Demar- hearing Demarcus Walker, so that's oh, why yeah. I asked this because I just completely forgot about that. No, it, it, that's all right. Anyways, Terry Randall coming in from Canada, showing that Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is, in fact, a state of being. This one's for my girl, Alex. Hashtag state of being. Hashtag Broncos world. Terry, we appreciate you showing up all the time, man. Bolana Beast, what what's going on here? We have a beast. At least we have Poland. Uh, Alexandra is from Poland. Oh, okay. Okay. Awesome. Uh, Oscar coming in here with a uh, with a $2 donation. Love you guys. And you know the emojis. We can't actually say them on screen. Horse, clock, and lock. Yes, we understand. Uh, big, big ups to Drew Locke in this in this. Uh, this upcoming season, he, really the success of the Broncos season relies on and hinges on Drew Locke taking that next step as a passer. But regarding just the Broncos defense as as how it is, uh, my number three guy, I'm going to go Devontae Bosby here, the cornerback. Uh, yes, he did have the neck injury. I hope he's going to come back. When he did play last year on the outside, he looked very good. Driving on the football, very, very good tackler, which is a must in Vic Fangio's defensive scheme. Devontae Bosby, and the reason why I'm saying this is because Michael Ojemudia, I'm not going to put a whole bunch of trust into a rookie cornerback in Vic Fangio's scheme. I understand that it's really very well suited. He's a perfect scheme fit, a very good tackler. But again, it's a rookie. You don't know. You can't hinge on a rookie being that guy. However, Devontae Bosby, being a veteran cornerback, yes, he's he's only played a couple of years in the league. He's bounced around the league for for the majority of his career. He played very well last year, tackled very well. It, I just I would rather put my faith in a guy that has some experience, especially experience in Vic Fangio's scheme, over that rookie cornerback coming in and having a high impact. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week, 
with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I get the I get the hype with Devontae Bosby. I mean, I know he showed up decently well in the preseason, and then for he was doing solid for the what game and a half he played, but. I'm just, and I get, I get, I completely agree with your reasoning on here. My thing is, is like, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. Like, you can call me a hater. You can say that I'm just down on him, whatever. Is It's just a guy who he's barely played the NFL, and now he's already suffered a serious neck injury. We don't know what's going to happen with his development. We don't know how he's going to turn out. I hope he pans out well, but we just don't know. No, but my I, next guy, go ahead. Go ahead. But my next guy is Todd Davis. I mean, he's a lot better than a lot of fans get. He's... And I'm doing player profiles up here and uh, for the YouTube page and for Mala Heddle. And the one I'm working, one of the ones I'm working on right now is about Todd Davis. And in in it, I referred to him as a Jag, which he is. You're a large portion of a team's roster is is built off of Jags, and Jags are basically just another guy. He's a guy who is he's solid with what he can do. He's not good at what he can't do. Obviously, makes a lot of sense there. Great analysis. But um, <laughs> but is he just they need him to st- continue to step up a little bit more, especially w- in coverage. Some of these issues that they've had with tight ends and running backs, just having him step out. And I did have Alexander Johnson, but spoiler, Lance has him on his, so I decided to switch mine up. They just need better from the linebackers. I do expect them to use a little bit more nickel and dime packages to help cover up the issues they have from their linebackers and coverage. But the more that they can sit there and get have them improve these linebackers then the better it could be in certain situations against certain teams like the Titans, if they can sit there and improve their coverage ability, the Raiders are another team that if they can improve their coverage ability, then that would be a big help for them. So just key teams, they really need them to step up for. I I'm not betting Todd Davis will just because I think what we've saw from him last year is about his max, but I would love to be proved wrong on this. No, I, I totally agree with you. And that's a big reason as to why I went Alexander Johnson on my list. It, it, specifically because Alexander Johnson, yes, he was used primarily as that that blitz defender, that run-stuffing, two-down thumper of a defensive lineman. But I think that there's some potential there for him stepping back into coverage. And he's my number two guy that we need to have see step up for the Broncos because I think that he can step back into coverage and actually provide some kind of an impact back there. And the reason why I say that is it's only one play, but at the same time, you watched Alexander Johnson – pick off a pass from Phillip Rivers in Los Angeles in the end zone. So at least he has some kind of coverage aspect back there. Todd Davis has always struggled. You know what you're going to get with Todd Davis. Alexander Johnson, he's only played one full season, not even a full season. He missed the first four games of uh, 2019, but the the first full season that he actually played, you never really got to see him step back into coverage very often because he was that blitz defender, that run stuffer. I like him moving forward. I don't necessarily know if I'm going to like him moving backward and laterally. So I really want to see if he can step up and provide some coverage impact. That's going to be the biggest one to, well, the second biggest one to me on this defense. If, if he can actually show that coverage ability, he's going to be a monster for this Broncos defense. Absolute monster. Uh, let's see here. I got a super chat here from Chris Hernandez. I'm going to get this before we get to our number one guy. Uh, $21 donation on super chat. Chris, we appreciate you coming in and joining us and, and showing some love, man. I appreciate you guys. Cheers to my MHH fam. Hashtag click those little thumbs up. Absolutely, guys. Make sure before you get out of here, regardless of where you're at, whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, anything like 
like that, click the like button. It's one of the easiest ways you guys can sh- support the show. Get us into as many uh, Broncos eyes as possible. So, Eric, what do you guys see if, if Bouye fails and Callahan does not get on the field? Do we get a free agent or draft uh, Sertan, uh, Sertan in yeah, 20? 20- uh, so Patrick Sertan Jr., I believe is who you talked about, cornerback out of Alabama. I like him a lot. Uh, there's, I still need to watch a little bit more. Uh, is he going to be a potential first-round player, Eric? Yes. I think he will compete with Sean Wade for being the number one corner. Okay. I would prefer Sean Wade over um, Patrick Sertan, but um, it definitely – it really depends at this point. Uh, I think that if both Boye fails and Callahan doesn't hit the field, I think that Denver will look at the draft again – and also free agency to bring in some veteran help there. But also it's going to depend on does Devontae Bosby step up? Does Isaac Adams step up? Does Devontae Harris step up? Or does Michael Ojemudia step up? It's, there's a lot of variables in it right now. But if none of that happens and those guys fail, then I definitely would expect at least two via the draft and free agency. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that cornerback depth on this team is probably the biggest weakness. I know that Football Outsiders just had a, a post uh, the other day, I can't remember who wrote it, that said that backup quarterback was the biggest weakness on this Broncos roster. I I see that. I get it. I disagree a little bit. The, the offensive tackle depth, just because it's a, a, an immediate concern, we don't know if Drew Locke is going to play all 16 games, but we do have a pretty good idea that Juwan James is not. Like Drew Locke with the, the with the weird thumb injury he had last year, missing some time, uh, getting put on IR and everything like that. That's a kind of a fluke thing to me. But Juwan James being injured all the time and him not playing full seasons all the time, the backup offensive tackle depth right now, swing tackle guy, Elijah Wilkinson didn't cut it last year. We all saw that. Ten sacks given up last year. He was way worse than Garrett Bowles ever even thought of being. There's nobody back there. Quinn Bailey, maybe Jake Rogers, probably on the outside looking in as far as the 53-man roster goes. Offensive tackle depth and cornerback depth, especially because you really don't know. Devontae Bosby coming back off of an injury. Devontae Harris last year struggled in his time. Michael Ojemudia, again, a rookie. You don't know what these guys are going to bring as far as an impact goes. Those are my top two weaknesses. I would really like to see the Broncos target a cornerback. Sean Wade would be the guy, obviously, to me, but he's probably going to be a top 10 pick, and I don't think the Broncos are going to have an opportunity to go and get him. Patrick Sertan Jr. is another intriguing option. Again, I'm not even started yet on my 2020 NFL draft prep right now, but some of the guys that I've that I've heard about and, and done some some reading and watched just a little bit, sure. But either cornerback or offensive tackle, those are the biggest needs for this Broncos team. Yeah, well, getting back to this, we'll just name off our last two guys here real quick. And my fourth guy I want to look at and see and step up is Justin Simmons. He always seems to be just right there at that cliff of becoming an elite safety, and last year was that huge step forward towards that. But I want to see him cut that, take that next step forward and become that elite safety. That is what I want from Justin Simmons. He definitely has that potential. And I think that Vic Fangio's defense can see him become that, especially if the pass rush can get there and get home and create, create these problems for these quarterbacks. That is going to be a huge thing that we got to keep an eye out for him. But I also want to see him step up as a leader a little bit. Lead that secondary. That secondary is missing a leader. They have been missing a leader for a while because Chris Harris last year, he didn't really step up into that role. So that's something that they definitely got to need from him. He's the guy who he's looking at getting a big contract here. I know right now he's franchise tag. There hasn't been much word going around about a possible extension. We'll probably start seeing stuff about that coming out here in the next couple of weeks. But definitely a guy that we want to sit there and see take that next step and become that elite top-tier safety in the NFL. He's right there, just not quite there yet. 
And my last guy is Vic Fangio. I mean, it's his defense. It's his scheme. He's got some tough offenses he has to play against this year, primarily the Chiefs. The Raiders' offense on paper looks really good, with loaded with weapons, and their offensive line isn't terrible either. I mean, no. their biggest weakness is Colton McCoy on that offense. Well, I'm not counting the quarterback. It's going to depend on how what Derek Carr can do with them, but he's got to figure out a way to slow down. Darren Waller, Williams, J- Josh Jacobs, um, the other tight end, Fabian Moreau, and, of course, Henry Ruggs. they got to figure out how to stop those guys, stop all the Chiefs' weapons. That's going to be Vic Fangio's job. we got to see him step up and not just really just kind of cheating here a little bit, not just with what he does on the defense, but what he does as a head coach in general with his decisions that he makes and like to see him take a little bit more risks when when the analytics suggest that that is a reasonable way to go. No, I, I totally agree with that. And that's kind of along the same line of thinking that I had with Pat Shermer being my number one guy that's going to boost Drew Locke's, uh, it, well, at least flatten the learning curve for Drew Locke going into 2020 to help him become a franchise quarterback is Vic Fangio absolutely has to scheme this defense correctly. There's, uh, like I said, you know, you've got the, the whole of the cornerback position. You really don't know what you're going to get from those kind of guys. How is he going to be able to scheme these guys and make sure that they're not like, like limit their weakness, highlight their strengths, be a scheme be a game planner and and work with the defense now I'm going one that's a little bit more obvious uh, the really the biggest obvious one here is Von Miller everybody knows Von Miller has to have a huge season if the Broncos defense wants to have success Von Miller has to be the guy he has to have another double digit sack campaign but I'm looking on the other side here and I want to see well, what happens with with Bradley Chubb coming back off that ACL tear I really want to see him take another step he had a huge rookie year didn't ha- offer a whole lot last year just because as, as far as the statistical analysis goes but as far as the watching the tape and everything like that he was causing all kinds of havoc in the backfield in the running game creating a whole bunch of pressure, goes down with that ACL tear. I really want to see him take that next step. Hopefully he comes back fully healthy because he's a big key, especially after watching Jeremiah Tauchu come in at the later end of the season. Yeah, he was he showed a lot of flashes, played very well given his role, but Malik Reed, Justin Hollins, those other guys coming off the edge, Bradley Chubb has to be an impact kind of a player this year. And with him getting that added pass rush across from Von Miller, Standing next to Jarrell Casey, maybe at times, getting uh, Draymond Jones, McTelvin Ajim. Bradley Chubb is my number one guy that this defense, he has to step up if this defense wants to take that next step forward under Vic Fangio. Absolutely have to. Yeah, and I would say that going back to Von Miller real quick is there is no doubt about anything that Von Miller's 2019 season was a disappointment. Like, yes. there's no there's no doubt about that. There's no one that can argue against that. Yes, he showed up very well as a run defender. Yes, when he was asked to cover, he did very well there. But as a pass rusher, he was just a little bit lackluster. And people can sit there and say that it was a scheme. I think that there's more to it. I there's no excuses this year. There's none. He has to step up. It's yep. that simple. They he's the leader. He is the leader of the defense, the leader of this franchise. He is the face of the franchise. Yep. Maybe outside of Drew Locke, but I totally agree with that. And the well, and the no. big thing with a big thing with Von Miller is right now he's what thirty one going on thirty two, I believe. Like he's he's already on the wrong side of thirty, so if, if, if he has to step up as well and show that twenty nineteen was just a fluke, not necessarily that's going to be the the regular norm, the new normal for him. Like he well, has to show up and get back to that old form, that twenty eight. Uh, what was it? The uh, the obviously the two thousand fifteen season, but two thousand sixteen, two thousand seventeen, where he was still producing fourteen, fifteen sacks a year. He has to get back to that as well. So he just turned 31 in March. Then okay. March. 
And but my thing is, is with Drew Locke is we still don't know what he's going to be. Yes, yep. he could potentially be that face of the franchise. He isn't right now. Plain and simple. Von Miller is the face of this franchise. Yeah. Justin yep. Simmons is kind of stepping in. Might be right about there taking over if he can take that next step to be an elite safety. It's Von Miller's team. It's that simple. It really is that simple. Drew Locke, maybe it will be his. We just don't know. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Well, I want to go back to a point that you had made regarding Justin Simmons really fast. That is a, a great character. If you want to have a new guy step up and be that vocal leader in the in the locker room, Justin Simmons, man of God, lets his play do the talking. If he wants to show up and actually be that vocal kind of a leader and rally some guys around him, he's the guy that has to step up as well. And I totally agree with you with him being on this list. I didn't think about that just because I already you already know he's going to be an elite coverage safety. He's, he was one of the best coverage players in, in football last year. I believe Leave over if he had what minimum of 40 targets total, he had the second lowest passer rating against in the NFL last season. So you already know you're going to get a, an elite coverage player. You're going to get an elite tackler. But as far as a leadership role, he has a place right now, especially with AJ Bouye and the, the youth and uncertainty in the, the secondary. Justin Simmons becoming a leader in that secondary is huge. He, I totally 100% agree with that. Now, so, go quick, I want to grab these super chats. I was, I was about to. With a $24 donation. Thank you, Pabby. Um, we're glad you enjoyed the pod, and uh, we love all you guys, too. Like, we are so thankful you guys come and join us consistently every day, and for us personally, every week. Super happy about that. Um, and there was another one here, too. Just got to scroll through and find it. Joe Turner comes in with a $10 donation. Thanks for the entertainment, guys. Have a good weekend. We're glad we can entertain you. That's secretly has been a joy of my life is for as long as I've been alive is I've always loved to entertain people. It's something that I've always wanted to do. Uh, at one point, I wanted to go and join a circus or be a comedian, stuff like that, just to make <laughs> people laugh. Um, but uh, I realized that I'm actually not that funny, so I didn't. But I'm glad we can entertain you in this way. Yeah, it, honestly, doing these shows is is the the highlight of my week. It really is. I love getting down here. It, well, honestly, writing that article, I hadn't actually got a chance to publish in a while. Get, being able to sit down and write, that was one of the best things I've done this week. But still, coming in here, talking with Eric, talking with you guys, getting your questions and everything, interacting with everybody to get away with what's going on in the world right now, to be able to sit down, just talk some football and have some fun. This is why we love doing this, guys. And for you guys to come in here and, and show us some love and appreciation like that, it really means the world to us. So, all right, let's see here. Let's, there was a couple of really good questions. I'm going to just bear with me really fast. Uh, so I did see one. I'm not going to go back, scroll through and find it. I see James talking about it. I know Robert asked it and it was asking about um, nickel and dime packages and everything like that. And James, you, ba you basically are pretty much spot on. There are some things that vary from team to team with how exactly they do that with Vic Fangio's defense. He often likes to bring in, most like instead of a nickel corner, which we might see a little bit more this year if Bryce Callahan's healthy, instead of a third safety coming down and dropping that to that nickel, like we saw with Will Parks, um, he really likes to use that a kind of a a uh, four two five um, with a uh, okay with two down linemen and then obviously your two edge rushers. I was trying to think down linemen. Man, I don't know what's up with me today. I think it's just because it's so hot in my office, man. As you say, you're um, sweating your butt off right now. I can yeah, see it. It's I don't know why it's so hot. But anyways, is um so he likes to use those four down linemen. Obviously, you you move your two defensive linemen into a tech, into a three tech. Now his base is a lot of people talk about how it's a three four. It's very similar to Wade Phillips. It's more of a four three over or four three under four three under than it is a true three four defense just with a standing defensive end instead of a down defensive end, which that's 
not that big of a difference really. But um, yeah, he likes to go to sub packages. He'll often drop a safety down and then he'll use another safety high and then another safety, uh, two deep safety um, cover two kind of look like that. But yeah, it really does depend. The team that you're facing off against also will vary it a lot. If they're a tight end heavy team that likes to use a lot of two tight end or three tight end sets, then you're not going to be using your nickel and dime packages as much. Uh, you you kind of want to go stay in your base, which is where your linebackers covering does become even more important. All right, Kenneth Booker coming in with an interesting question. These are the kind of off-the-wall questions that we really like to answer. Since, you, since the Olympics are supposed to be going on right now, who would you put on your 4 by 100 relay team in the NFL? I have Tyreek Hill, Hamler, John Ross, and DK Metcalf. Hill, Hamler, Ross, and Ruggs. Yeah. Those, are, now, four, those are probably the four fastest players in the NFL. Yeah, probably. Um, now, if, if I was going to say just as far as – Going to the to the Denver Broncos, which is what I thought the original question was when I yeah there was the original the Broncos. Okay, so for the Broncos, uh, it would be Champ Bailey, Clinton Portis, KJ Hamler, and probably <sighs> DT would be up there. I would put Demarius Thomas on that list. Um, Demarius think- Thomas, Champ Bailey, Trenton Holiday, KJ yeah, Hamler. Yeah, yep, Trenton Holiday would be a good one. Uh, Clinton Portis, though, when he was – he ran a 4.26 or 4.27 or something like that at the Combine. Just absolutely flew. Tatum Bell, uh, Bawana was in here earlier before we got started, and we were talking about, uh, do you remember Tatum Bell? And I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Tatum Bell was a fast guy, too. He was – I said he was a fast SOB when he was playing for the Broncos, after, especially after he came off the cell phone kiosk coming out of a Denver mall. Like he, he showed up and the Broncos had like what, six or seven guys on IR that year. And they brought Tatum bell off the cell phone kiosk. And he had like a couple of hundred, a hundred yard rushing games. It was like 2006, 2007, something like that. That there's the guy that you could put on your, your four by hundred relay team. So with that mentioning Tatum bell reminds me of this. One of the funniest things I ever remember watching a football game is um, I can't remember who was announcing it, but it was the Broncos playing, and it was one of that. It was it was after Tatum Bell was gone, and but they had Mike Bell, and the announcer went off about how Denver had twins with Tatum Bell and Mike Bell. <laughs> and they're, like, they're, they're not they're not related. Like it's like it was probably one of the best things ever because the guy just had this pure look of like I don't know what to say. Like they're, they're not related. So. <laughs> All right, so there's there's a comment here that I want to grab really fast just because I want to talk about the the impact of Henry Ruggs in this Raiders offense. Brian Weatherwax coming in and says Ruggs would be a problem if he didn't have a noodle arm throwing to him. Now, we can talk about Derek, Hall, Derek Carr all we want to. However, Henry Ruggs is not specifically just a deep threat. He wins especially on slants and crossing routes, something that Derek Carr does very well. Let's stop playing some games here. Derek Carr getting the ball out quick, hitting those slants, hitting those crossing routes, especially over the middle of the field. Henry Ruggs is going to eat in this offense. You have to find somebody that's going to be able to jam him off the line of scrimmage because he doesn't fight off a press very well. That can be coached out of him. But still, at the same time, Henry Ruggs coming over the, the middle of the field in this Raiders offense is going to be way better than Henry Ruggs going down the field. In fact, I believe that Henry Ruggs is going to be that middle-of-the-field threat, and you're going to see Tyrell Williams be that deep threat for the Raiders' offense. Regardless of Derek Carr throwing the ball, he can push it down the field. He doesn't do it very often, but Whoa. getting those slants, getting those uh, getting those crossing routes, that is where Henry Ruggs is going to eat big time, and he's going to be super successful doing it. Yeah, and what, what a lot of people don't realize, too, is that 
he doesn't t- go target deep downfield a lot because that's kind of what John Gruden doesn't ask him to do. But he can do it, and he can do it very well. And not only this, is Derek Carr consistently throughout his career has one of the highest yards per attempt. Like, he is not afraid to throw that ball deep downfield and take shots when it's called on. And with Henry Ruggs in the field, I would think that it's going to be called on a little bit more often. But, again, it's a slants with how quickly he is to just get open and those ins, those outs, just those kinds of routes and everything like that is he can make them pay for just that way too. Yep. And James Campbell coming in with a, with a super chat here, uh, seven pounds coming out of London. Uh, so in a very much the same theme, can you please shed some light on what the Broncos need from their nickel defensive back position? And Eric, I'm going to let you take this off first, just because I want to think about my answer on this one. So largely is they want their, their pure nickel they obviously want him to hold up in the slot, no matter who they're facing. Um, depending on who, what team they're fa- what team they are against, they might move that nickel over to playing against the tight end and moving one of the linebackers into the slot. That all that depends, and that's something that the I believe it was the Los Angeles Chargers um, kind of took advantage of was getting Todd Davis up against the wide receiver and being able to move the ball that way. Even though they didn't win, but that was something that they tried to do. But it's very much as reliant on dropping all eight into coverage. Um, and or seven into coverage and letting those four pass rushers get after the quarterback. That is what Fangio wants to see from his thing, from his sub packages is the pass rushers to get home. They don't, if the ball is thrown, it's considered a failure, a fail, a failure for them. And it's also a big thing of where like Alexander Johnson, where he can come into play so well, cause he blitzes. And that's something that Vic Fangio, even though he doesn't like to blitz, he can sit there and still jump in for, and, help provide that pressure to help ease up the issues with the secondary. So it's, it starts up front with the sub package where most other teams, this is one thing where it varies is a lot of other teams, their sub packages, sub packages start in the secondary and move forward. Denver's starts in the front and moves back. Yeah, and that's that's pulling a defensive lineman on the, off the field, pulling a linebacker off the field, especially if you're going to go into that dime situation that Vic Fangio likes to use as well, oh, especially no. early early in the series too. Vic Fangio likes to run that nickel-dime defense early in the down, and not really early in the series, but uh, see, more second down, third uh, first and second down, and then third down, get his pass rushers back on the field so that they can go and eat. A, and hopefully, you've got an incompletion or a negative run in that in that that early that early nickel defense, getting then. Uh, your pass rushers back on the field. That's where the biggest thing is. Now, as far as this nickel defensive back goes, I really like to see some guys that have a little bolt to them that can play vertically, not necessarily more horizontally, and drive on the football in the running game. That's a big thing with Vic Fangio is having guys that can come up and create tackles in the open field out in the flats and stuff like that against uh, tight ends and running backs. That would be the biggest thing to me in a Vic Fangio defense is a guy that can do that, play also in coverage, but also tackle well on the outside. Yeah, and one thing, too, is you mentioned about who's coming off the nose tackle. That's who comes off yep. the field, the nose tackle. They are a part-time player. Um, that is one reason is I know a lot of people other, just out there disagree with me, but um, G.J. Reader to me, is I didn't like him when he was operating outside of the 0-1 technique. Every once in a while he was fine as a three-tech, but that, was, but that wasn't the best place for him when I said him, so that's why I was thankful Denver didn't pay big money to go get him. Um, and why I like Jarrell Casey so much better is because he can be that five tech in base and then that three tech in sub packages. But uh, yeah, that's that's what happens is the nose tackle comes off. It's why they're a fifty percent player. It's why you don't pay nose tackles big money, and it's why when it comes time, like it's like they're right, they're worse than running backs. Like they're less valued than running backs. 
even less valuable than Nick Kendall's linebackers. Linebackers are the running backs of the defense. If you're going to have anything that's less valuable, it'd be like your what third tight end. That's your your nose tackle pretty much. So uh, James Campbell coming back in with another two pounds. Please hashtag Eric's tie rocks. Hashtag Lance's diaper fun. Hashtag DVDD. James, I know you that you like this. Uh, you like this podcast pretty much more than every other podcast. Hashtag or shout out to Nick there. Uh, but thanks for the support, man. We appreciate it. All right. Uh, find another question here. Robert Kasler coming in. Exactly good yeah, I was I was just grabbing that one. How does the other AFC West teams run their tight ends? Now, uh, obviously, you got the Chiefs. They run Travis Kelsey. He's inside. A, he, he can play as that inline blocker. He can play uh, uh, coming off the line of scrimmage down the field. Say what? Except when he's blocking against Von Miller. Von that's Miller true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's really hard for a tight end to block against Von Miller, period. But Travis Kelsey, as far as a run blocker, when he's not tasked with blocking Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, <laughs> as, as far as that goes, he's actually a really good blocker. Uh, he, he can win off the line of scrimmage, lined up uh, like at that – like lined up on the line of scrimmage, lined up next to the tackle. He also is very good coming out of the slot. Uh, Hunter Henry, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how this new Los Angeles Chargers offense looks. Uh, he, he's more of uh, really kind of same in line with uh, with Travis Kelsey, really good as a, as a run blocker, good coming off the line of scrimmage, can line up outside. I like him lining up outside better than I do like uh, lining him up in the slot. But Darren Waller, that guy's a freak, man. He can line up pretty much anywhere. He was a he was a wide receiver in college, I believe at Georgia Tech. They transitioned him because he's such a huge guy. Had the the troubles with marijuana and stuff early in his career, but he can line up. He's developing as a blocker, still a really good blocker because the Georgia Tech, that's what they ask you to do at the wide receiver position. So he he knows how to he has good position, good hand placement, stuff like that. But he he can win on the outside. He can win in the slot. He's just a true mismatch for anybody trying to cover a tight end with a safety or a linebacker. He can win against everybody there. So it's going to be really interesting to see how Vic Fangio develops this defense to cover because the tight ends in the, in the AFC West, especially even with Noah Fant in the fold for the Broncos, that's a very good group of tight ends, man. It really is. And I don't know. I didn't catch if you said this or not, but uh, with the Chargers, when it comes to Hunter Henry, they often run him on the bench because he's always hurt. <laughs> that is true. That is very true. All right, uh, CC coming in. If Devontae Harris can stay consistent, he can be a solid corner. Showed some flashes, however, was inconsistent over the season. And that's absolutely true. Uh, I, what was it, the the Vikings game? That it was really when he first stepped into the fold, and he struggled a lot. I, I didn't like him in the Vikings game. Stephon Diggs really kind of put it to him. Adam Thielen put, him to, put it to him as well. Duke Dawson struggled there as well. I don't know. Devontae, that's a big reason why I think that this this cornerback depth is one of the biggest worries, if not the single biggest worry on this Broncos roster. So Devontae Harris, just biggest thing that it comes down to with him is he got hurt, or he didn't get hurt, sorry. He got benched for Isaac Adam. Like, what else is there to say? He was playing so poorly, he got benched for the guy who was benched for him. Yeah. And yeah. he did have a few shining moments there, but for the most part, it wasn't a good, good game series from him. Um, I'm trying to pull up something here real quick about him. I'm trying to pull something up about him because it's actually very eye opening as to how much he struggled last year. And for some reason, it's not letting me pull him up on this. 
Well, I got a, a really good question here from Miller seven oh seven champ. I'm going to take this away really fast. Yeah, go just ahead. To, just to to get away from the dead air here. Who's the number one player in the draft that the Broncos missed on that you wish they got, and who did they draft that you wish they didn't? Okay, so the number one player in the draft that, that I think the Broncos missed on probably Rugs. Just and it's not really that they missed on him, just because he was taken before they could. But that's an added dynamic to this team that with him again, like I said, winning on slants, winning on crossing routes, just the overall speed of him and pairing him with a guy that can push the ball down the field and drew lock that's absolutely a uh that, that would have been a huge piece for this offense i'm glad they went and got kj hamler because he can fill kind of that same similar role just not quite as good as a henry ruggs but still ruggs would have been the guy he was the guy that i really wanted the broncos to draft even though jerry judy was my number one wide receiver in the class but uh as far as guys that they did draft that i wish they didn't Alberto Quegmanon, and that's the uh, that's the one pick that I really just kind of shake my head. I don't understand the fit there. The Broncos already have a huge tight end room. There was a question earlier in here that we'll get to here in just a second. But as far as uh, excuse me, um, as as far as the the drafting of Alberto Quegmanon. That was so head scratching to me. They signed Nick Vanette. They had Jeff Hireman. They had uh, Austin Fort, Andrew Beck. The the room is completely packed full of guys, and uh, Alberto is not really as explosive as Noah Fant, but they feel really the same kind of role. I don't understand that pick, and that's the one where I'm not sure that I uh, totally agree with it. Did you just say Albert Okawebenam and Noah Fant fill the same role? They can. No. <laughs> why not? Why Why can't they? <laughs> so Albert Okawebenam is a straight-line guy. Okay, Noah yeah, I agree with that. Noah Fant yeah. isn't. I, I agree with that, but as far as uh, stretching the seams and stuff like that, they can fill the same kind of role. That, that's if you're using Fant to stretch the seam, you're not using him to his best ability. He's a guy who he wins more horizontally down the field, not so much vertically. Albert Okwebenam, if you ask him to change directions, it's going to be a huge disaster because the dude is like trying to turn a, the Titanic away from an iceberg, <laughs> and um, just not what you want. You want him running a straight line, being that deep threat. Like that—that's what it is. But I don't disagree. I don't disagree with your premise. There is Denver already. They had such a decent range of skill sets with the ride with their tight ends that Albert Okwebenam, because of what he can do down the seam, just was a just seemed was a little bit redundant, um, just because of how many tight ends they had, and that they have other players who can they can sit there and use to stretch the seam, and just from the wide receiver position. So it just it's. It kind of takes the room, and it just kind of makes it a lot more – the weapon's a lot more cluttered. Because if you want Albert Okawebenam on the field, who are you taking off? Are you taking off Noah Fant? Are you taking off KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy? Taking off the running backs and going empty empty, empty sets? Like, you're just taking somebody else who's much better and much more um, developed to be out on the field, so – yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. What, why would you take some of these other weapons just to put Albert O on, on, on the field? Like, what, what are you really trying to accomplish with that? The only thing I could kind of see is just Albert O's effectiveness in the red zone. But even then, like, I don't, I don't understand. Are you running a two tight end set to get KJ Hamler off the field and putting Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton on the outs? Actually, that's kind of an int- intriguing proposition there. But still, at the same time, I don't know why you would want to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's not saying that he can't eventually develop into more, but right now is he just doesn't have that versatile skill set to really be more than just that. So, no. All right. Oh, and I found the stuff about Harris. So Harris actually allowed thirty-one to forty-four catches that were thrown his way to be caught, which is a seventy-point-five 
um, reception percentage that he allowed, which is actually one of the worst in the NFL from last year. Uh, he allowed a 9.5 yards per reception, which is one of the worst last year. His um, NFL rating he allowed was 111.6 when he was targeted, about three touchdowns. Like he just played, he played terribly last year, and he he got benched for the guy he was placing Isaac Gadam before he was benched for Devonta Harris was still playing better than Devonta Harris did. He started seeing action against the Los Angeles chargers in week five. And he finally got yanked from the game after Buffalo. The Minnesota game was a drastic downfall. The best game he had out there was against Cleveland where the Broncos pass rush did the most work. All right, guys, a couple more questions before we got to get out of here. Ashish coming in here on Facebook. The Broncos have some tough games. Uh, let's see. Broncos have some tough games at home this year than on the road. Do you guys think our defense is well-equipped to face these tough teams? How confident are you guys about the scheme and players? Do you think adding more depth is needed, like adding proven corners and linebackers? Well, obviously, I think the, the Broncos definitely need to add some uh, some proven cornerbacks. A, a veteran out there, Darquez Denard is still on the, on the board, uh, Drake Kirkpatrick as well. Uh, after seeing Eli Apple sign with the with the Carolina Panthers the other day, that kind of hurt my feelings just a little bit. I really wanted him to come into the fold, especially after Prince of Mucamero went to the Raiders. So not really sure. I, I, I don't know if the Broncos are really – that defense defense travels well. That's just plain and simple. Defense always travels well. And the, with the Broncos this year, having Vic Fangio again, I, I think the Broncos defense is going to take a really good step forward. It's just the, the biggest thing is, can they win these games on the road with Drew Locke, a young quarterback, and with the, all of the young weaponry on the offense? That's really the, the truth behind this Broncos team. If they can step up on the offensive side of the football, I have a lot of faith in the defense. Yeah, it's just – it's going to be interesting because there's a lot of concerns about this defense, and Vic Fangio's scheme is going to help be able to cover up for some of them. I don't know if they'll cover up for all of them. Um, my big thing is there are some teams out there when doing my schedule previews that are being released currently on My Life Huddle on YouTube, for the videos anyways, is studying these offenses of these other teams. There's a good number of them that are designed to attack right where the Broncos are weak at. The Atlanta Falcons – with so much uncertainty about the corner, how are you going to stop Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones? Well, the best way to do that is get pressure on Matt Ryan, but are we going to see the pass rush step up? Um, The New York Jets, they've added some decent weapons to them, getting to Sam Darnold. Their offensive line, they really went and bolstered. We don't know how it's going to be. Tom Brady in the box with all the weapons they have. Our best Mm -hmm. hope is that Tom Brady doesn't have that offense down and chemistry isn't down with those receivers. Yep. Um, And it can go on and on. The Chiefs, the Raiders even, based off of just on paper, of course, um, the Saints with Emmanuel Sanders and Michael Thomas and Jared Cook at tight end. Like, it's going to really fall on Vic Banjo to get this defense up and going because talent-wise, they're hurting in key areas. Yeah. No, absolutely. You're 100% correct. So I did see a question about um, how Jabba the Hutt would do as a punt returner, <laughs> and I think I would do terribly as a punt returner. I mean, all they got to do is hit my knees or my ankles once, and I would be, I'd be down and out for it. So... <laughs> I saw that question. I really wanted to click on it just because you and your Star Wars fanaticism. Like, it just, no, it's not even, it, that's not even Star Wars fanaticism. That's the guy on. That's just because of the guy on Twitter who likes to refer to me as Job of the Hut. Oh yeah, that's true. I I forget about that. 
All right. Uh, Jason Peters coming in uh, thinking, I, I think uh, Michael Ojemudia will fit. Fangio knows how to get the best out of cornerbacks. I, it's not that I don't think he's going to fit. It, like, it, I don't think that he's going to just have that immediate impact. You got to, you got to realize, dude, this is a rookie we're talking about here. He's got to have that, that transition period. There are rare instances. Uh, well, not really rare instances. You see some rookies step up all the time, but as a third round pick, yes, he's a perfect scheme fit, but really, can you rely on that? Can you rely on a rookie to step in immediately and have that overwhelmingly huge impact on this defense? Well, I don't know if you can rely on it, but my thing is, is when you see corners being such as such a good scheme fit as Michael Ojemudi is for Vic Fangio's defense, as you can see him step in and have an impact earlier, I'm not, I, I wouldn't bet on that, but I could really see Michael Ojemudi. And it's one of my bold predictions for the season in the article that's up is Michael Ojemudia is the best corner of the Broncos field this year. Just because of how good of a scheme fit he is with his skill set that he has, he can really step up. There are some teams that I think he will struggle against, like the Chiefs and the Saints, depending on who he gets matched up against. Well, okay, I shouldn't say that because I think Emmanuel Sanders beats him one way, Michael Thomas another. But I think that he might be able to hold his own a little bit better against Michael Thomas. But it's Michael Thomas. He's the best receiver in the NFL, and he's hard, just hard to stop, period. No, he so, only runs slants. Stop it. <laughs> Sorry, but, I had uh, to do it. But yeah, I um Michael Ojimudi, yeah, I think that he can definitely be a good player, but it's not a guy that you would rely on. And Miller seven oh seven champ asks if I would trade Michael Ojimudia for Trayvon Diggs and I wouldn't. I wouldn't either, just because Michael Ojemudia is such a better scheme fit. Trevon Diggs is better as a press man co- coverage cornerback. He's not very good in zone. And honestly, I as as good of a tackler as he is, there's a lot of times where it's like you don't see him want to initiate that kind of contact. He can tackle in the open field very well. But at the same time, he's not that guy to go dive in there and go initiate, put his nose down, and go and make a tackle. He's going to make the tackle if he absolutely has to. Michael Ojemudia is one of those very true, I'm going to hit you, and you're going to know it. Every time that I hit you, you are going to feel it. It's going to hurt, and I'm going to get you to the ground every single time I touch you. And I will also add that cornerback is actually one of the easier positions to transition to the NFL with. Yep. And th- I, I saw mean, it. I, I the saw better- there was a there was a comment up here from Manny Wise. I'm going to pull it up really fast. Yeah. Patrick Peterson was good his first year. Patrick Peterson was also the number three overall pick in that class, if I do remember yeah. correctly. Like he was, this, we're talking Patrick Peterson, one of the best cornerback prospects we've seen in the last 10, 15 years, as compared to Michael Ojemudia on the other side, who is a fringe third round car- uh, player. Not really a fringe third round player. He obviously was a third round pick, but there there were people that say a fourth, fifth round guy at the, just because he's so scheme specific. He doesn't do very well in man. He's better in zone, a very good tackler, but still, Patrick Peterson is scheme transcendent. He also offers in that special teams versatility, can take a whole bunch of footballs to the house, whether it's intercepting the football, taking it back on a punt return, which he did very well in his rookie year. Like That's a completely and totally different discussion there. We're talking two different tiers of prospects. All right, guys, I think that's pretty much going to be it for tonight. We're running about 56 minutes. So, Eric, do you got anything else did you see that was – we need to kind of address here. I didn't see any other questions to address. Well, I mean, I did see a lot of questions to address, but not that ones that we have time for. But uh, there is one thing that I do want to address, guys. Um, even though Dove Valley Deep Divers is no longer on Saturday nights, make sure you guys are tuning into the podcast tomorrow night. Luke Peterson is making his debut. He's an awesome dude. Really knows his stuff. Um, just a bright football mind and everything, and just he's such he was such a joy to have on when we were live for the draft. He's going to be joined by Nick, who so don't tune in so much for Nick, but tune in for Luke. Um, 
yeah, he's just an awesome dude. Tune in, definitely watch it, enjoy it, and help him out and everything. And uh, guys, um, just just a quick spoiler is Lance and I are trying to get Chad to have us get us a earlier show on Saturday to mainly go and benefit those of you guys who are over in um, like in Europe and stuff like that who can't always tune in live because of how late these shows are over there. So if you guys want that, go tweet at Chad. Let him know. Yeah, tweet at Chad. That was a, that was the thing I was kind of hinting at. Was we'll get into some further details about that. We're trying to get an earlier show for us to be able to go in and bring in some of the like the, uh, the comments and questions and stuff like that. Yeah, noon it'd be noon, noon Mountain Time, so in London, seven eight o'clock at night, something like that, to kind of try to bring in some of the European Broncos fans and and get your guys' questions and stuff like that. We see you guys tweet at us all the time. I wish I could come in, support the show, be a, be a part of it, everything like that. We want to be able to to reach out to you guys as well. But for that tonight, guys, we're gonna wrap it up here. Good Make into sure- Luke. Yeah, turn into tune into Luke, man. Luke was awesome. If you want to talk about some nuance, Luke and Nick are about the nuance kings for Broncos country. If you want to like oh. a dose of realism, there are some nuance in those guys' takes. And if you want to really want to learn some stuff and and really kind of curb your expectations just a little bit, listen to those guys. But anyways, guys. Man. Are you sure you're not like secretly Carl with how much praise you're giving it? <laughs> That's not what we do on this, man. <laughs> I, hey, no, I, I, I love Nick, guys. Definitely tune uh, into all the Nick's, all stuff that Nick does, man. Yeah, bright kid. Uh, and very, I can say he's younger than I am. Yeah. But yeah, very bright guy, bright. man. Awesome to talk to. Knows his stuff. Can be a little annoying, but he's awesome. That's that's number one on the 101 ways to not be Nick Kendall is to not be annoying. All right, guys, that's gonna wrap it up for us tonight. Make sure you guys are following us on Twitter. You can find me at Sanderson MHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also, make sure you guys are following at DVDD underscore pod. By the way, before we get out of here, tonight is episode 49 oh, of yeah. Dove Valley Deep Divers, and next week we are working on a big giveaway. We're going to give away a Dove Valley Deep Divers hat, Dove Valley Deep Divers t-shirt, but you have to be following me on Twitter, Eric on Twitter, and at DVDD underscore pod. We're going to figure out a good trivia question regarding the Dove Valley Deep Divers. You have to go back and do some research and find out whoever is following us, all three of the accounts, gets the the question correct, will be entered into a drawing for some free merchandise regarding the Dove Valley Deep Divers. So make sure you guys are in tune for that next Friday at 6 p.m. Also, if nothing else, make sure you guys head on over to huddleuppod.com. Get your merch on. Get yourself a hat. Get yourself a T-shirt. Do whatever you got to do to support the show. And if you're not in a financial position to do so, guys, at least subscribe wherever you're watching, whether this is on YouTube, whether it's on Facebook, on uh, on Twitter, Twitch, anything like that. Subscribe to what we're doing here, guys. Subscribe to Mile High Huddle, to Huddle Up Pod. If nothing else, like the video wherever you're watching. Again, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch. Like that video. And if you really love what we're doing, click the share button because that is the easiest way to get us out into as many Broncos fans as possible. Now, last thing before we get out of here, also follow at milehighhuddle.com. It's the easiest way to get breaking news, analysis, opinion articles, film breakdowns, stuff like that from your favorite Mile High Huddle characters like myself, Eric, Nick, Carl, Chad, Zach, all of the guys. Head on over that way. Stay in tune to what we've got going on on the Huddle Up podcast on the website as well. Now, so with real, real quick, Brian, when we hit episode 72 of the Dove Valley Deep Divers, we're going to give away an autographed Garrett Bowles jersey, autographed by myself and Lance. <laughs> Not really. 
No, no, <laughs> I, I'm not sure exactly why you said that. But... And Jody, if Jody, if you're here, we'll rig it so you get it. I know how much you love Garrett Bowles. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> truth. All right, well, <laughs> let's see if I can grab another question here really fast. Uh, if nothing else, nope, that, that sounds like it. Eric, any last words before we get out of here? You're good to go. I am good to get out of here because my office is roasting. <laughs> <laughs> I love talking football, but man, I get—I know I said his name. I, I, I kind of did that on a, did it on purpose. Yeah, Jody, I'll hold it for you. Don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, I'm ready to get out of here. Luke was All on right, during the draft, man. Yeah, Luke was on during the draft. He was a, an awesome guy to talk to. Really good guy. You're gonna really lo- really like some of his takes. Very knowledgeable football in uh, football mind. Uh, very good dude. Make sure you guys tune in tomorrow, six o'clock Mountain Time, eight o'clock Eastern, to check out Nick and Luke on their new podcast. But for tonight, guys, thank you all once again for joining the Dove Valley Deep Divers. You guys have a great night. Stay safe. Take care. We'll see you guys next week. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.